Welcome everybody to the extended cut. Wait, wait, wait. Let me do this again. Welcome everybody to the extended cut. We've got JT Reeves with us today. Did I do that right, JT? Is that low enough for you? Good morning. <laughs> there it is. There it is. JT with the deep voice. I thought I had a deep voice, but man, you make me sound like a school schoolgirl. It's a good effort. Man, wow. JT. The fifth of six Reeves, I tried to name them all. You're going to have to name them. I was over here. I, I was missing them. So name them all in order. Let's see if you know who your siblings are. Isaiah's the oldest, then Mariah, Israel, Elijah, who's called Chunk, and then me, and then Malachi. There it is. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, there's probably 100 conversations we could have about growing up in the Reeves household. We will save that for another podcast. That would be great. I just, that, I tell you what, some point we need to get all six of you around the table, mom and dad gone, and we just need to hear it. Maybe a parenting series, something. We just need to, we need to pull it out and let it go. Let's I bet. That. Great stories. So JT, what in the world are you doing at Radius? Man, I thought you were supposed to be going to Wheaton. You're going to be a sophomore there, but instead you're... Hanging out at Radius. What's going on? Yep. So uh, the COVID complicated things a little bit. I was going to attend Wheaton in the fall. I was actually going to study abroad in Jerusalem first semester Mm. in the fall, but that got canceled. And uh, there's just a lot of regulations up at Wheaton, which is right outside the district of Chicago. So it has has quite a few more rules than they have down Mm. here. So... I uh, I prayed about it for a while and thought about it, and it made sense for me to stay here <clears throat> for a little while. So staying here, working with Radius as an intern for however long right now. We'll see how long they keep me. So. Cool. <laughs> yep. So uh, came this summer. We're, for sure, was going to intern kind of June, July, August, mm-hmm. and then um, with all of this going down. So I know you're playing basketball at Wheaton. How does that How's all that going to be affected? Yeah, so I played last year, and right now Wheaton has already postponed their fall sports. Okay. So that basketball isn't included among that, but it's not a great sign for basketball. Gotcha. So I, I decided not to play this year in general. Um, I have a couple friends who are deciding the same thing, but really it's, I guess, with everything up right now, it's just up in the air. So, yep. Yep. Cool. Well, we're glad you're around. It's kind of cool to have you. Matter of fact, you you have you've been doing quite a bit. I mean, you got to speak at Lexington a few weeks ago with your dad, um, and then you helped us lead worship. We had the uh, the bass section that uh, <laughs> that that Sunday it was good. I've never heard some of those choruses sung so low, <laughs> but it was good. Uh, and I just tell you from I mean, I, I give you a hard time about that, but. Um, I know my kids, as they're sitting there watching, I just think it's cool for them to see young man on the stage, worshiping, living out his faith. I just, I mean, to me, that's cool. I think it's encouraging to young and old. So that was great. Mm-hmm. And then this week, taking it up a notch, Saluda, bringing the whole thing, <laughs> preaching, right? Yep. How was it? It was great. I loved it out there. It was 
a lot of fun. They were up in a park, so uh, we had a little more shade than they did in Lexington. So mm. it was really nice, and I uh, loved the people. They were fun. They, yeah. Uh, a lot of energy, and I could. I heard a couple of, you know, comments from the audience as I was speaking. So, oh, they talked back to you. Uh, I, well, not talk back, but they made some noise. Which yeah, was, which is always encouraging. So, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, Trey, he was knee deep in serve Saluda all week. I know. Uh, I know my boys were there helping roof a house, and there were all kinds of projects. And so, give him a chance to sit on Sunday rather than trying to prep and do all the others. So cool. Thanks for going out there. Good stuff. Yeah. Psalm 73 is what uh, you and I preached this week. So uh, let's talk about it. What uh, What was your, as you think through, I mean, it's 28 verses. This is a long psalm. Obviously, you're not going to preach every verse um, or else you'd have been there for three or four hours, which is be painful out in the outside, be painful inside. Yep. Uh, so what was your, uh, what was your main thrust and main point? Well, not going to lie, I, I, I hit most of the verses. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, here I am saying you can't preach them all, and JT clearly proving me wrong. I, I hit most of them, not all of them, but I, I kind of, use it as a little bit of a narrative because I took it from the writer of the psalm, took it from Asaph's perspective Hmm. and the way he perceived, uh, the way he perceived people in the past versus the way he perceives them now uh, when when he's writing the psalm. So when you say way he perceived people in the past, first 16 verses, the way he sees them now, the 17 to 28. Yeah, so verse 4 to... Um, verse four through fifteen is is really where he's just he, he's talking about the evil and he is listing off way after way after way after way that they are horrible human beings and he lists a couple ways in which he is a almost it seems like blameless human being hmm. and so it just kind of seems like his envy has blinded him in a lot of aspects and so he's he's got this completely different mindset in those verses but then once you get to verse 16 and 17 that mindset flips because he does a couple a couple practical steps that that changes uh, the way he sees the world yeah that's good so for you to kind of contrasting so he's looking at these people seeing their wickedness seeing just how um vile they are. And really, I, I think the text makes it pretty clear that there's some, I mean, they're arrogantly oppressive. They're, they're doing some things that are clearly wrong, uh, trying to to garner a following, you know, all of those things, questioning God, questioning Yahweh. And so you utilize that, um, especially when he says things like, uh, have I washed my hands in vain or mm-hmm. Or done these religious practices. So you're saying Asaph was looking at himself maybe better than he was, comparing it to maybe him seeing people as more wicked than they are. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. So really, the point of all that was, and I used a couple of illustrations. One was just football. If we were to play Clemson, South Carolina football this year, which we aren't, because the SEC wimped out a little bit. If we were to play wow. close to South Carolina wow. football, we'd have, 
you know, the Clemson fans on one side, South Carolina fans on another side, and if ESPN took off the stats and if they said, we're not keeping penalties this game and they didn't have any numbers with that, the Clemson fan would go home and they'd say, you know, 15 penalties against us and three against them. And mm. then the South Carolina fan would go home and they would say, you know, 15 penalties against mm. us and three against them. Yep. And ASAP's mindset has been so skewed by his envy, which we see in verse three. It, it kind of sets up this whole this whole part in verse 14 to, four to 15 that not only does he see these people as you know, unequivocally evil mm-hmm. and himself as extremely good, but he sees the evil people as getting everything that they want. Mm-hmm. They have no pangs. They have n- n- no struggles. And he gets nothing that he wants. Yeah. So I use the illustration of a fire where he's pouring gasoline on the fire, which never do, by the mm. way. He's pouring <laughs> gasoline on the fire. That gasoline is self-pity, mm. and it's just burning up and burning up and burning up. And once mm. you get at the top of that fire, there's kind of that pocket of air that you're looking through, mm-hmm. and it's it makes everything kind of blurry and distorted yeah. behind it. It's and good. He's looking through that pocket, and it's just... It gets more and more and more disorienting. Hmm. So that's great. Yeah, I um, I talked about that that four through sixteen, but I talked about it in terms of um, this downward progression. So for um, you know, when you sit back and think about this idea of being disillusioned, you know, looking through mm-hmm. the the those waves of the flame, if you will, clearly that's happening. And, and for me, I think, I don't think that happens overnight. I Mm -hmm. think that is a progression. And so, uh, for a, for Asaph here to look at these wicked folks envying what they have, um, slowly, but surely, you know, you, as you say, you pour that gas on the fire of disappointment, discouragement, it leads to that disillusionment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then even the self pity part, right? I mean that you kind of you kind of know when you're at disillusionment, when you are at self pity, or yeah. the other one would be anger. And so, um, it, those are those are great kind of warning signs, if you will. Like the the check engine light is on when, if you can see, hey, I'm I'm having a pity party here, and I've been doing it for a while, then maybe. Uh, that's a good opportunity for you to say, what am I disillusioned about? And for Asaph, he's clearly able to go back up to verse three and say, I envied the wicked. Mm-hmm. That was my problem. I, I wanted what they had and and, and couldn't get it. So uh, yeah, that's I like that. I like the analogy of looking through those, um, the waves of heat uh, through the fire, because clearly you're, um, it's distorting the view, distorting reality. So that's good. So what were the practical th- things in 17 to 28 that he did to course correct, if you will? Yeah, I, my favorite verses in here, verse 16 to 17, where he he goes out and says, but when I thought to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task and how applicable that is right now with just so many different things going on. And, mm. and you, and you kind of ask the question, but, like, how do you solve that? How do you figure out how to understand these things? But he he doesn't really go to, he, he, he just goes to the source. And in verse 17, he says, I went to the sanctuary of God. Mm. And then he says, then I discern their end. So if we're looking at two practical ways to sort of 
you know, whenever you're confused, whenever you don't understand something, whenever you're slipping, as Asaph says in, in verse 2, uh, first go to the sanctuary of God mm. and the presence of God mm. and uh, whatever that means in, in a particular circumstance. And then uh, once we see God for who he is, then we can discern the end or we can look at it eternally and you see it from a completely different perspective because in the end, we know who God is. We know that he is just. And in the end, we know that good is rewarded and that evil um, is punished. So so you just named some basic doctrines and beliefs there. Mm-hmm. God is good. Um, those who put their faith in God, there, there is this uh, eternal reward, uh, mm-hmm. being his presence. Those who don't do that, don't trust him. There is, there's punishment, which he clearly lays out kind of 17 to 22, 23. Um, so those, we, we would say those are like basic doctrine, belief, uh, yeah. kind of things. And I would say that's what he says in verse one, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. Like there's that basic doctrine, like he knows it to be true in his head, yeah. And then in verse two, he's saying, but as for me, my feet were slipping. I think at the end of the day, I think he's saying, I'm not sure I was going to, be- I-, I think I nearly got to the point where I didn't believe those truths to be true. I didn't believe those basic doctrines that God is good. And no matter how much history could be provided, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, conquest, all that, for him, it just was I'm seeing the evil prosper, and so this causes me to question mm-hmm. basic beliefs in God. And I, I think, I, I, I don't know if we, well, I would say most of us don't verbalize this. Yeah. But when we get disillusioned, when we get into this spiral of despair, um, whether we say it out loud or not, there are a lot of times that we are questioning the goodness of God. We are questioning those core values, those core beliefs, um, and it may show up in ways like, um, you know, would God really love me? It, it might show up in ways like, should I, do I really need to be in a small group? Do, do I, is worship really that important? They don't need me to serve. Like, there are a hundred ways that we begin to just doubt mm-hmm. what we really believe. Um and I mean, if you want to take it one step further, uh, if even if you're not saying that, I think there's a way to determine uh, what you really believe because your actions are are always based on your beliefs and values. They are always based on that. Um, and so, for me, uh, if I'm going to go do something, if I'm going to go to a Clemson football game, I'm going to buy the ticket, make the drive, do all that. I'm going to do that because. I value the Clemson Tigers or put your team in there or, yep. you know, I'm going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go drive to some land and, you know, hunt all day. You, you do that because that's a value to you. Um, and when we don't do some things, cause we just don't value it. And so I may not, I may not ever need to say, um, Oh, I, I don't know if God is that good or not. You may not ever need to say it with your mouth, but our actions will say it all day long. So the reason in Psalm, or yeah, in Psalm seventy three seventeen, when he says he entered God's sanctuary, um, essentially he's saying God is good. He's good enough for me to come into His presence. He is good enough for me to to um, 
to make this effort to pursue him, um, which is when you when you think about it, um, that's that's hard, especially when you're disillusioned. So anyway, those are uh, definitely, yeah. For me, when I when I see that piece of it, I think, man, we are we are indeed in more control than we than sometimes our circumstances yeah. make us feel. So, am I crazy? No. Yeah. Good. My wife says I'm crazy, so I'm just going to tell him, JT, so I'm not crazy. Um, I see it again also down here when he says, verse 23, I am always with you. Again, like in control. I am with you. Uh, verse 28, but as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. So I entered the sanctuary. You are all, I'm always with you. I made you this refuge. So let's, let's just talk real practically here. Um, a minute ago, you said going into the sanctuary could look different based on circumstances. So um, let's, let's just talk about different ways we enter into the presence of God. Give some, give our folks uh, some practical ideas here. What would you say? Yeah, I think it looks different for me. I think... Sometimes you you do things just to do them, and that's not really entering the sanctuary of God. So mm. I think it's important to, we're doing this 30 for 30 thing right now for, for kids who read their Bibles for 30 days, and um, we'll try to get them $30 for, for that if they take notes with it. And there's something really powerful about setting up routine and about mm. saying that I am God going to intentionally go into your presence today and listen to what your word has to say to me. Mm-hmm. And yet that can become routine. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it can become numb in some ways. And so there's, uh, I mean, just for me, sometimes I just have to sit quietly and just think mm. and to m- almost fast from distractions for 30 mm. minutes mm. is so uh, countercultural and... Um, freeing for for those thirty minutes that it, it really allows me to to think about the end, to think mm. eternally, and and to enter the sanctuary of God because I'm not mm. distracted by the phone that's always going off or um, you know it, just whatever's being thrown at me at that mm. time period. And then praying, I, I setting aside a couple minutes at night to you know get on your knees. Mm. And just say, God, I set a timer actually, yeah. so that I so that I uh, don't cheat it. <laughs> yeah. So I set a timer for five minutes, and I put the timer on, and I, uh, I that's just what I do at mm. nights. So it's good. So to your point, there are things that we could say. Hey, let's just do a checklist here. I've read my Bible. I, I set a timer. I prayed for five minutes. Um, and those could. Um, those could or could not be entering into the presence of God, just depending mm-hmm. on how you do it. Yep. Um, so I would say this. I think um, uh, to use the 30 for 30 challenge, right? We're going to say, hey, read your Bible, journal about it for 30 days. There's not a doubt in my mind there will be some students who who take that challenge and probably the first 5, 10, 15, 20 days, it's all I'm thinking about is this is a dollar. This is a dollar. Yeah. This is a dollar. Yeah, uh, Just get it done. 
There's something really good about building a habit, though. Mm-hmm. And so this is the reason I, I think these challenges are great, because um, what it does is it creates this habit. It creates this, this um, you know, routine, like you said, to come to God's Word. And at some point, this thing becomes more than just a task list, because we believe God's Word is alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. The list goes on. Um, and we believe that when you come to it, um, even if it's just a checklist, that at some point we are we are still putting God's truth in us. We are building this routine. Um, I also think it's really helpful just to know that my guess is, is in verse 17, Asaph probably didn't feel like going to the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there are times you have to cross your will, that you have to cross your emotion and you just do it because you know it's right. And then at some point, the emotion follows, the the feeling follows. And there have been plenty of times I read or prayed or whatever, but you get done, you're like, wow, I don't have warm fuzzies. I, I, I didn't get a, yeah. a, a thunderbolt or I didn't get any of that. I just, I just did it. Um, but man, you do that and you know you do it because it's right and because that's where... Um, I want to dwell with God. Uh, and there, there are a hundred others, right? I mean, there, are, there have been plenty of times that, um, you know, it, it's small group time and it's been a long day and I'm like, do, do I really want to go to small group? But man, you go and you never regret it, you know? Um, it, it, I mean, we could go off illustration after illustration, you know? Um, I know, you know, people who say, man, I don't want to go to the gym today. I, I, I don't ever hear anybody who's walking out of Planet Fitness say, gosh, I regretted that. <laughs> regretted that decision. You know what I mean? Now, I've heard plenty of people say, leaving Sheely's, I regret everything <laughs> I just ate there. You know what I mean? But we don't ever regret the these good decisions. And ASAP here is clearly, he's not regretting that. So, um yeah, I really hope, and I think you know, I think about Brian and and the small groups team trying to give our people handles to be in a small group. I think about the thirty for thirty, giving our students some handles to to read God's word, journal, pray. I, I think about all those things as we um, just trying to help people come into the presence of God. Round table for uh, here at Lexington. Anyway, the list goes on. Um, one thing that was in, it, it kind of jumped out to me as I was reading this, is that Psalm, 70, Psalm 73 makes a turn. But Psalm 88, um, he never makes a turn. <laughs> and I, I just, I, I, if I'd have had a little bit more time, I probably would have highlighted this more. I would have read some of Psalm 88 because when you get to this, um, he is in the throes of depression and despair. I mean, he he's talking about how it's weighing on him emotionally, physically, um, mentally. And, man, you get through reading Psalm 88, and, man, you clearly see somebody who who needs a verse 17 of Psalm 73. Yeah. Yep. And um, I don't know. that. I, th- I wonder how many of our people are like that. I wonder how many of our um, the people that we interact with, live, work, and play with, are in a Psalm 88 spiral right now, and they need somebody at Radius to to give them verse 17 of Psalm 73. Um, and so, anyway, those are 
Um, man, I'm really thankful for verse 17, but then when you yeah. read some of these others, you recognize if we don't do it, if we don't enter in, if we don't press in, if we don't cross our will, if we don't fight against some of these feelings um, and emotions, then we can turn into Psalm 88 in a hurry. So anyway. Yeah, and I think maybe one of the cool things about the Psalm 88s and the, I mean, there's a lot of not happy endings in, in, in some of the Psalms, mm-hmm. and um, but they are going to God which is mm-hmm. uh, when he says, I'm continually with you, and you, you're just talking about um, the rhythms that, I mean, he is a, as a Levite would have to, he's enforced to do a lot of things, um, mm. you know, with with the sanctuary of God all the time, and he can't really avoid it. Yeah. So he's always going back. And um, even in Psalm 88, he's praying to God mm. his fears, and he's praying to God his, um, he's pleading with God. And maybe he doesn't have the right mindset at the time, but but mm. he's going to God. He's not going to man. Yeah, that's good. And it's um, that's that's a start. <laughs> yeah, being brutally honest before yes, God, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, that's good. JT, what else, man? Anything else that you're dying to share about Psalm 73? Um, just the my portion. I mm. love the the my portion part in 26 it says my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and looking back at the past uh israel's past and looking back at at numbers 18 20 where um the levites are the only tribe that after moses went up on the mountain and they and they made the golden calf and that infamous story Moses comes down and he says, who's with me? And the Levites are the only tribe that are with him. Mm. And then uh, God goes to split up the land among the tribes, and God gives land to each of the tribes except for one, Mm. and that's the Levites. And then you get to um, Numbers chapter 18, and and God says, I'm not giving you land because I am your portion and I am your inheritance. Mm. And Asaph is a Levite. Yeah, which is he knows this. He knows mm-hmm. that God is his portion, and he knows that God is his inheritance. But a, a, as you were talking about earlier, he doesn't know if God is good mm-hmm. at, early on in his life. Mm-hmm. And when he discovers God, and when he goes to the sanctuary of God, and when he experiences God, and when he uh, thinks eternally, mm-hmm. then there's no other portion that he desires. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a beautiful, um, just way of looking at the history of Israel and. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That when you think about that word "portion" as inheritance, um, yeah, that's that's really good. I, I think about thir- Deuteronomy thirty-two, talking about, but the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob, His own inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, that is clearly the way God wanted to have relationship with um, with Israel. Uh, thinking about it in terms of um, His people, this is truly uh, a, a, a deeper relationship than mm-hmm. just, you know, God, we're here, but man, he, um, he really wanted that. And so those are, those are great passages. I thought when you, you brought that up at the end of the week, just talking through it, I thought, man, that's a, that's a strong way to, to think about it for Asaph to remember. Um, yeah, this is, this is how God is relating to the Levites. And now for you to, to acknowledge that back to him, um, uh, pretty impressive so yeah and the 
just the part about envy that, that's all throughout the passage about wanting other people's stuff, which is so easy. So mm. I just got an Instagram. So, I mean, just thinking about how many followers you have or thinking about mm. how many likes you have on a post, like, it's just so easy to get caught up in that stuff. Mm. And as a Christian, I mean, thinking about, you know, Christians in China, Christians in the past who, mm. um, they don't have, they have suffering and they don't have money and they don't have possessions and, and, but their portion is the Lord mm. and the greatest gift that God could have given to the Levites for the way that they, um, followed him was himself. And, um, because Jesus came on the cross, now he has allowed us to live eternally with him and our portion can be him mm. forever. So just a really cool way that Asaph has gone from all in his own thoughts and all in his own desires and, and completely changed and, mm. and now nothing else matters to him. Yeah. That's good, man. Well, JT, thanks, dude. Thanks yeah. for preaching to Saluda and all you're doing. It's fun. Um, yeah, you're you're getting in the weeds of some stuff that not very many people get in the weeds uh, to around here. Some of our database stuff and others. Just, man, thanks for hanging out and making that happen. Yeah. Sorry I don't get to go back to Wheaton this fall, but <laughs> yeah, your loss is our gain. Yep. <laughs> not cold anymore. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll do it again next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.